we're we're having a tiff. We're having a yeah. lover's quarrel. Uh, <laughs> this is a lover's quarrel. That's kind of quarrel, I have to say. That's I love yeah. quarrel, better than quarrel. a friend's quarrel, an acquaintance's quarrel. No. Yeah. Well, at least on a romantic quarrel, you hope that you can just like hash the shit out. There's no I feel like with when I have tension with friends, it's always a little bit like Oh God, like why, why do we have tension? What's going on here? Why do, why? But when, when I have tension with somebody I'm dating, I'm like, let's fucking deal with this. What's yeah. going on here? You know? For sure. Yeah. It's like a friend's quarrel is like, that's not what a friend is supposed to be, but no. a lover, it's like yeah. there's so much passion. You're quarreling. Exactly. exactly. I think yeah. acquaintances quarrel is the funniest end of that spectrum. Acquaintances well, that's quarrel. That's a weird yeah. one. That's like, why are they even in your life anymore? If you have a yeah. quarrel with an acquaintance, just say, I don't have anything to do with them anymore. A queen's yeah. quarrel is like you run into you someone on the subway. About someone to exactly, exactly. That's yeah. my thought too. That's yeah. my thought too. Right. I think uh, the the hardest kind of quarrel is probably family quarrel. Mm. Oh yeah. That's because that's like fuck, man. We've been dealing with this our whole literally since I can remember. Well, that's know? the quarrel people people write plays about. No one would write yes, a play yeah. about an acquaintance quarrel. <laughs> Correct. No. Correct. Maybe but people tweet about it. Write a- but people, people tweet yeah. about it. <laughs> that's interesting. That's that's actually true. People would people would make tiny quips in hopes of uh, some immediate gratification for their momentary. Yeah. Uh, but if someone, if you wrote, but if you wrote a tweet about your family, but you wrote a play about an acquaintance quarrel, you have your priorities. <laughs> yeah, <it's> so true. <laughs> a play, but it's all in tweets, and it's about one acquaintance you knew in middle school. <laughs> oh my god. There's, there's going to be some sort of like, I imagine at some point there's going to be a collection of tweets that get published as literature. We're, we've got to be down that path at this point, right? Well, they did that kind of with Trump's like wall of tweets. On um, The Daily Show, yeah. They yeah. did. Um... But okay. I do think every presidential tweet goes into, they or they used to do it that every tweet went into the, it was like some kind of the Library Government. of Congress? Li- yes, that's the... Oh my Interesting, God, I'm so okay. Dumb. I'm so wow. dumb, I forgot. I mean, I guess they're official called. statements, right? Like, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I but guess. it's just funny yeah. to think of, like, I've never seen a thin person drinking Diet Coke <laughs> is, like, somewhere in the Library of Congress right now. <laughs> I know. Whenever you want to give something too much prestige, just remember that, that, like, everything is arbitrary in that way. Yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah. oh. is arbitrary. Well, welcome Wait. everyone to Two Dozy Meerkats. We're talking welcome everyone corals uh, of all kinds. I'm Gabby Jordan Brown. Uh, I am Lucas Arnold, and today we're interviewing my old roommate and wow. filmmaker extraordinaire Pat Haywood. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'll, should I should I clap for myself too? Yes, clap so for yourself. Okay. But and then right. we'll, we'll, but I wanted you to keep going for like twenty seconds, you just on your own. A rousing applause of myself, just for yeah. me. Just if you're not uh, screaming with applause at yourself, I mean, what was it all yeah. for? Well, I think I want that's someone. I want someone. Mm. I want someone driving a truck while listening to this, just going, yeah, <laughs> woo, just <laughs> very excited to hear my uh, stuffy, stuffy voice. <laughs> Yeah. So like, do you have a cold? I couldn't tell. So I don't. I don't have a cold, but I sort of have a. This is so boring. The uh, novel but, coronavirus. Yes. Yeah, yes, I have the coronavirus. <laughs> I will transmit mm-hmm. it through these screens. Uh, no, I. I feel it already. I have a cat that I have had, as Gabby knows, as she just explained. She used to be my roommate, so my cat also used to be Gabby's roommate. Uh, his name is Washington, and he's twenty six pounds, and he. Uh, I'm allergic to him slightly. Um, so I sort of live with this allergy that uh, only gets my attention when I decide 
to give it to her, but now it's just part of my existence at this point. Um, oh God! I don't remember. Wait, what, I don't remember what it's like to not have this. Have that allergy. Well, yeah. me, well did I you moved, grow up with? Sorry, you go, Gabby. I was gonna say when I moved out, I have a, a slight allergy to cats too. When I moved out, my breathing is a million times better. Oh, but congrats! It's congrats. not as if I I don't talk about Washington as if he's my ex or something. Like it's not as if I don't <laughs> bring him up in every conversation. Yeah. Uh, well, he's, he's much easier to deal with when you don't have to live with him. I mean, I notice this every time I that goes with everyone. And somebody else watches. That goes with that's everyone. Definitely true. That's true. Um, that's very true. Lucas, answer your question. I did grow up with uh, a crazy amount of cats, actually. Um, okay. My, I lived in a. My grandmother and my mom were foster. We we created like a foster home in our tiny little apartment for cats. So at one point, I lived with seventeen cats in Jesus a two in a tiny two bedroom apartment. Yeah, it was, uh, and they oh would cycle. My God in and out every few months. And so I remember just thinking, I hate cats. I hate them so much. I never want to be around them again. And then the moment I graduated college, before I had a job, before I knew where I was going to live, I adopted a cat. And I- did, Was it, was this something like, did you just like black out and you woke up with like a cat? Did you were just <laughs> like, how did, this, how did this cat get here? I, <laughs> I, I hate these animals. They may, they can't breathe around. No, the story some... of how Washington came to be is actually amazing. Oh, go, get into it, please. I well, need it's, to hear it. It's actually, it's, it's like, it's almost the opposite of that, Lucas. It's like, what happened was I was volunteering at this animal shelter and uh, you know, it was the last semester right before I graduated. I knew I was going to have all this debt and I, you know, I wanted to like be around animals to make myself feel better. And uh, I met Washington when I first started there and he's very big. I wish I could bring him, but he's sleeping and I have two tender. 26 pounds sounds like big for a cat. He's a very large cat. Um, okay. And, you know, his largeness really uh, showed itself uh, especially juxtaposed with many other felines. So there's, you know, there's 30 cats and they all look like this. And then there's this cat that looks like this. And he's very, if you don't know him, he's a little scary. And so, you know, I was- He's I a John of, Goodman in a sea of Kendall Jenners. Honestly, John Goodman <laughs> is a pretty good cop to this cat. Um, I might have to start using that. That's pretty good. He's a little oafier even than John Goodman. Yeah. If that's even it's hard possible. to imagine. Yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty tough to imagine. Um, but so I volunteered there for only like three or four months, but Washington was the only cat that was still there from when I first started. Oh. So I got to my last week and everyone kind of knew that we were buddies and that we bonded because he would like go up to the little room and I would hang out with him and he was so gentle and sweet and... Um, and the, I was, you know, I was like thinking about it and I thought if I leave here and then I'm going to think that nobody ever adopted this cat and he's going to die here in 10 years. <laughs> and, and I can't, I can't bear that. So I, adopted I, I, it I really understand that sort of that part of your I, mind where you think I, this will nag at me if I don't do this. I, I, re, I yeah. do. I definitely understand that. The yeah, is, the alarming. basis of many decisions I make in my life, which you just described. Yeah, he's not that smart of a cat. I mean, he's like no. wonderful. And I smart, like that. I like a dumb pet. Yeah, I he, like a dumb pet. He's yeah. so dumb. It's it's beyond. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about this on a podcast, and you know, I think one of the things that we we lose with COVID is this ability to like understand things as they are up close. And I just mm. remember every time I brought a friend to my place and they saw Washington everyone would go 
Oof, you didn't tell yeah. me that it was no, like this. It was that. <laughs> it's true. Although it's interesting that you break, you know, like I feel like it's strange to, I was thinking about this with myself um, and the way we talk about other species, right? Like mm. we say they're smart or dumb in relation to ourselves. Right. But, right. But like if the tables were, tr- if I was Washington, right? If I imagine what it's like to be my cat, um, having truly trying to wipe away the way that I perceive myself and, and the way that I, as a human being, see the world, he probably thinks, he probably looks at me and thinks, what a moron. Yeah. What well, abs- well, look you're at all touching the- on something very profound. I think it was like Einstein or someone like that who said that, like, if a fish judged itself. Oh, yes. Um, uh, against like a monkey's ability to climb trees, it would consider itself an idiot. Exactly, and exactly. Everyone has their own skill set, the way they fit into the world, and yeah. you're as good at doing that as you are, and you shouldn't. Yeah, that's right. You you and you are only in relation to others like you, you know. And so, absolutely. And I think that's a, it. Is a I feel like humans do have a hard time with that because we separate ourselves from everything else so much that. Well, you're right. Well, Pat, I. I if I, I'm so I'm forgive me, Gabby, but this is very, pre- I was so this, it was so something we very big on, on this podcast is asking like very in-depth questions. So Pat, what is someone or a position or something that you compared yourself to and made, and you felt at some point inadequate because you didn't fulfill that Ooh. role or come up to that level? Interesting. Maybe a person or whatever it is. What? Yeah. Who did you judge yourself against? <laughs> That's, a, that's an excellent question. Do you know what? Um, while you're thinking, Gabby, say what you were going to say. Um, I was going to say, what was I going to say? Oh, I heard that fish thing um, in relation to the SATs. I feel like that's where I first heard it because people were mm. like making other people feel better about like them being bad at the SATs. And it was like, well, if a fish were trying to be a monkey, <laughs> you mm. know, if a fish were trying to take the SATs. And then the other thing I was thinking was, when I've always had the same issue, Pat, that you've had with like, um, you know, trying to de- decide if Washington is smart or not based on human mm. standards, but with like, mm. when people say a dog is a good boy, like, <laughs> totally, that's weird. It is good by human standards, but right. yeah, uh, what it, the fuck is a good well, boy? Well, that you know what it is, Gabby. I, and then I, I thought of an answer to your uh, wonderful question, Lucas. But I'll, on this point, I actually have yes. a slightly. How do you guys do with controversy? Can I bring up something slightly anything. controversial? Anything, anything goes. Anything. Okay, goes. so I actually was thinking about the. I think the good boy thing gets at something again. The speech the place that us humans have placed ourselves in the in mother nature's, uh, you know, kingdom here. Mm-hmm. The fact that we keep pets is insane. It is mm. absolutely it's defi- it's so unusual. Insane. In fact, I actually, I think in a lot of ways it can be compared to a kind of species slavery. Mm. And this is, okay. and I don't, again, I'm not saying that having a pet is equivalent to having a slave by any stretch of the imagination. I'm well, saying- Well, Washington doesn't do anything, so that- <laughs> here's the, No, he doesn't, he certainly doesn't do, but here's here are the parameters, right? Here are the, here are the parameters for me having a pet. Okay. Is that I take in this pet, mm-hmm. he is mine. I yes. get to, he lives by my rules. When he disobeys them, he is not, you know, he's not allowed to do what I don't want him to do. He's not allowed to leave my house. He's. Mm-hmm not allowed to do he doesn't know any existence outside of the existence that i contain him in 
It's very yeah. allegory of the cave for sure. It's like, it, it's just like Plato's allegory of the cave. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know this. Would you, would you give me a brief synopsis? Uh, it's a great it's like one. the, um, Oh my God. What is it again? Do you want me to, do you want me to give, give the cliff notes? Go yes. For it. Give the cliff notes. So it's, so imagine a person who uh, is born in a cave and they are okay. chained so they can only see the wall of the cave. And so they have a fire behind them and their entire projection of their reality are the shadows dancing on the wall of the cave. That's the only thing that they can see. It's the only thing they've ever known. Mm-hmm. So in essence, that becomes their entire reality, right? Mm. But let's say somebody comes and takes the chain off and then they turn around and then they walk, they see the fire and then they walk out of the cave and they see this freedom. It's basically the allegory says that what that person would probably feel compelled to do is to free all the other people who are chained to the cave who have this um, who are mm-hmm. only being limited by this chained reality that they live in. Um, and that it's, it's really a commentary I see is on the human mind where our perception of what we know and what we see is yeah. truly our reality and it's all we'll ever know. And that's why culture right. is really, okay. really profound. You know, that you are, I think about uh, culture in a lot of ways as, you know, we're, our hardware are our genes. It's like what we, the cards we were dealt Mm-hmm. You can't change that and then our software is the culture that we're born into and that's mm-hmm. like i'd say that makes a lot of sense yeah you know and we can like reprogram that if we want you can try to lose it it's difficult um like you know uninstalling an operating system on a computer it can be a challenge but you can do it um right. and yeah, yeah, lobotomies so- are cheap nowadays true <laughs> true yeah <laughs> speaking of controversy you know that's um everyone get lobotomized right i saw now. sarah i saw sarah paulson on ratchet you just need an ice pick and and a lot of willpower <laughs> i do see a world just to finish up on the pet point i do see mm-hmm. um in the future again probably way long after i'm dead and you know generations and generations of us i think that at some point there may be a reckoning unless humans just continue to really dominate the world hmm. We say, yeah, keeping pets is a little weird. Why do we do this? You know, what is, yeah. I, I, we do it because it serves us, right? Like, because yeah. we like well, having pets. Well, do you know, I don't know if you, did you guys ever watch uh, Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson? No, I've always um, I never got it was, to it. It was, I absolutely loved it. And I, I think they're doing another season. But anyway, there's, um, I think it's an episode two where um, they talk about the history of dogs and mm-hmm. that, he talks about how wolves naturally have, you know, these stress hormones that make you f- uh, flee from humans because like humans are dangerous, uh-huh. but that they're just like with anything, there's mutations, there's natural variation. And that there were these wolves that had lower levels of stress hormones. And so they started approaching humans and they noticed that wow, humans would leave out scraps and bones and stuff. And that they realized they could actually get much more regular food and nourishment and survival by actually partnering with humans. And then, and then like humans started utilizing, you know, um, wolves, well, canine skills for retrieving stuff or hunting stuff. And so, and so that began a symbiotic relationship. Mm. They got reinforced over time with like breeding dogs to have like, um, to have, favorable skills and mm. lower levels, even lower levels of and stress. Now we so just that they breed them to look weird as fuck. I know. Fascinating. <laughs> Whenever so, I see a yeah. dog, like mm. a little, like a little pug or something. You know those particularly wrinkly pugs? And they can't breathe. It's not good for them. Yeah. 
Uh, well, they're just, it's because it, they're a uh, laboratory creation for us. You know, that's, yeah. that's yeah, that's true. I do know that like, um, I've, I've read some stuff about domestication in general and how like, if you set every cow free right now, you know, today, they would all come back to the farm because that's yeah. what they know. So there has to be a way of responsibly reintegrating like wildness back yeah. yes. to the or lives like, yeah, of domesticated animals. Yeah. 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 No, you're I so mean, right. what would happen in Washington in the wild? I mean, Ooh, well, that's Gabby, a good idea. Well, there's a very simple answer to that, Gabby. It's that he would be dead in it minutes you know <laughs> truly i mean he would be he would be a goner he yeah. is I, I mean the other a few months ago uh tmi to be saying in a public forum but whatever i was okay. tripping on acid and uh cool. i was uh you know sometimes you get a little scatterbrain when you're on certain substances and i left my apartment door open when i was getting ready to go for a walk and washington got out of the apartment oh no and, and oh, so no. <laughs> But, but this was like the the live experiment of what you just said, Gabby, where, you know, I was having this very intense experience and suddenly I look and Washington is in the hallway meowing at my neighbor's door going, meow, meow, meow. Oh, Sorry, no. I'm not, not going to. But I thought I was, I started freaking out. And then at that moment, I realized this cat would be t- oh, so dead. No. <laughs> well this reminds Uh, me of something that happened to me and pat at at our old apartment which is that um there was a one of our lovely neighbors um i might have told the story on the pod before but now the one of the people who experienced it is here one of our neighbors pat you're like that's not how it happened i I hope that's (laughs) gabby's lying about everything um (laughs) no someone who lived uh, there was like a leak in our apartment and um Someone who lived, uh, the person who lived right underneath us, uh, believed that we had a secret dog in the apartment who was peeing. She refused oh. to believe it was a plumbing issue. She thought it was a secret dog. So she came up and kept uh, leaving wee-wee pads outside our door because <laughs> she was like, yeah. you have to clean up after your dog. And then when confronted and told that we didn't have a dog, um, it was explained to us that she knew about our secret in- uh, agreement with our neighbors where whenever she was going to come over, uh, we gave the dog to the neighbors to avoid suspicion of us. She'd come up with this whole story in her head. Yeah. Uh, She should write fan fiction. Honestly. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) And then Edward and Bella had a secret dog. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah that was a really interesting story of like self-perception and reality absolutely absolutely well (laughs) i mean that's that's amazing she's she's living in this apartment by herself she's in her 60s she Mm -hmm. you know i really felt for her to be honest i did too yeah you know i almost wish you guys had a secret dog just to give her some just to give her something to think about some activity you crack the code you you actually figured out the truth here yeah i think i joked to you at one point i like it'd be so fucked up if we got a dog now Oh my god! Or the people who moved in got a dog or something. Yeah. Oh that my god! Yeah, the people who be... moved in after us. And then she, like, she had come to, she had come with peace that nobody who lived up had a dog, and then now there actually is a dog up there. Um, that's awesome, Lucas. I, I, I haven't answered the question. Oh yes, marvelous. About, um, comparison. Um, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a pivot, um, but Go I it. think it's yes. it's the most honest answer that I can give, which is that you know I grew up as an as an only child, ostensibly. Um, and you know, I actually feel, you know, I had a lot of experiences when I was very, like when I was in my teenage years, um, when I was 11, my, my parents died. And so I, I had a, 
I'm only mentioning that to say that uh, in middle school was the time I was, you know, going through those experiences. And that brought on a very like intense desperation to be liked by others. You know, I, I okay. just got, I just had to transfer schools because of it. And I, you know, was going through this loss and I had, and I wanted friends so badly because obviously like I was, you know, in hindsight thinking about, it, I was searching for love and I was searching for acceptance and I wanted, you know, having lost these huge figure in my life. Um, I was, I was really seeking that. So I did find myself when I was younger, truly incessantly thinking about how interesting everybody except me was oh. and, and thinking, wow, I just want all of these interesting people to like me. And I almost felt like I was a vacuum of a human being and that all I want to, so I would like change my image all the time when I was in seventh and eighth grade, where I would, you know, one day I would try to be a kid who listened to green day. And then one day I would be like a person who listened to rap. And then one day I would be, and I truly became like a chameleon of sorts of trying to find who I was and where I was. So when I was younger, I really, really intensely compared myself to others because I wanted to be accepted and liked. But as I got older, I would say, you know, 16, 17, 18, when I started to kind of like figure out what it was that brought my life meaning, um, you know, making art and, um, you know, deep friendships and, you know, all, all the things that bring us meaning, uh, um, you know, the kind of like deepest parts of who we are. I think that the, the person that I compare myself to most was, I, I would think about the person I wanted to be in my head like the, the aspirational mm -hmm. self, so to speak. Right. And that, like, I feel like that's really how we make decisions. You know, we buy a shirt because we think we want to be a person who would wear a shirt like that, or mm -hmm. I don't shave because I want to be a person who has a beard. So yeah. you're constantly yeah. like projecting yourself into the future. You want it. Cause you are you, when you, when I ask myself the question, who am I? I am who I aspire to be my hopes and dreams. And then also, the stories of what has happened to me, but I'm not what others perceive me as. Right. Do you see what mm -hmm. I mean? That I, like when I look in the mirror, I see what other people see. That that, but that's very yeah. different than the person who right who I am in my head. And so I I feel like the person I compare myself most to is the person I am in the world, the yeah. way I am perceived by others, and this character that I have in my head of myself. That's what that's what capitalism thrives on, you know. Sure, not oh, yeah. bring it here, but it's Absol like no, 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 absolutely. I am so hooked on so many of these like cooking videos. These like women mm -hmm. with these nice kitchens who cook these elaborate tangines mm. or whatever, and it's not a, it's hardly about the recipe. Like sometimes it is, and they do really cool shit with the cooking, but yeah. most of the time it's about like. I want a spice drawer like that because mm. I want right. to be the oh, kind yeah. of person exactly. who exactly. has that spice drawer. <laughs> like, yeah. exactly. I want to be the kind of person who has yeah. blue hair because I would that's say it's also, yes. I would say it's also just the charisma, the natural charisma of the person mm. cooking it that you want. I think, um, I don't know if the, like the word is like fetishized or something, but the idea mm. of like, the idea of like having something be very authentic and that you want Absolutely. to be able to taste that and you fall in love with the idea of what the dish means rather than what it actually mm. tastes like. And so I think that mm. that's 
part mm. and parcel of a cooking show as well. Is Subscribing to authenticity of- is so hard. Like trying to be like, I want to be an authentic person. Cause then you're just trying to be like, I'm authentic. I'm authentic. Yeah. And it's like, that's not authentic. <laughs> it's yeah. literally it's the opposite. A- it is because the, the idea of authenticity, truly the only thing it is, is this, you know, this sounds a little heady, excuse me, but it is like to be true to what one knows to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's all authenticity could possibly be. I or mean, what you think could be true. Because I think a part of authenticity yeah. is yeah. just being like, I have no idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have yes. no fucking idea of anything. And, and you know that to be true. That yeah. you don't yeah. know, you know, you don't have to pretend because that's where artifice comes in, where people like bullshit all the time and they're right. like, oh yeah, I know this, I know this. Oh yeah, I'm this kind of person. And that's why I feel, you know, I see this a lot in a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends and I don't mean this in a judgmental way whatsoever. Name them. Um, yeah, let me, sorry, <laughs> hold on. I actually have a list right here. Let me just pull this Hey, Janine, uh, fuck you. Janine Garofalo. <laughs> I don't think you really play all over the city. <laughs> Fuck you, Janine oh Garofalo. <laughs> um, but I, I do feel like a lot of people's um, suffering, and I use that word, like the, the idea of suffering is in like mental suffering. Um, you know, we, we all experience it to some degree. You know, you had expectations mm-hmm. for something and then it didn't happen. And now you're in some sort of, you know, mental pain and you're the only person having that experience. Um that a lot of that comes from, I think, what you're talking about, not the desire to be quote unquote authentic, but that that disconnect between the person that you know your actions to be, the person that you move through the world as, and the person in your head, you know? So Mm. an example is I, you know, I strive to be a person who meditates. I I love to meditate. Um, It has brought a lot of, um, it has brought a lot in my life. But I do find myself almost every day coming up to the point and thinking like, nah, do I really want to meditate today? Or, or in my head, I have like a barrier because it's difficult because um, I think my mind starts to race and think there's a million other things you could be doing. I think that's mm-hmm. a, another huge problem that we all go through where we're constantly sorting through what else we could be doing other than what we're actually doing. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think that that disconnect between the seamlessness that we move through the world, connecting those two things, the person we want to be and the person we are, the more disconnected those two things are, the, the more we suffer. And the yes. more united those two things are, the, the more, uh, the higher well-being we have, the more joy we experience, the more, um, you know, satisfaction we have with, with uh, ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I complete, want- I'm very, I'm very similar in that like I, want to be someone who abides by a schedule that I set for myself. Like at this time of the day, I'm going to have coffee. Then I'm going to go out for a run. Then I'm going to, ha- then I'm going to have food. Then I'm going to do a little bit of work and then I'm going to take a break and whatever. I, I want to be a person that follows my schedule and gets a lots, mm-hmm. lots of things done in the day, but I find myself pushing things out and lingering um, different parts of my day and like just being quote lazy or something. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's the, I have the version of myself that I have planned out. And then there's like the version of me that exists in one pulsating moment that is, that just only listens to what I want to do in that moment. 
Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I yeah. call it the lizard brain. I guess some people yeah. call it the yeah. id, but it's just the part that's like eat, sleep, fuck, like the just yeah. pure <laughs> the Darwinian, <impulse>. the Darwinian <laughs> in you, just you know whatever. Jaw rule. All these yeah, <laughs> the jaw rule in me, my inner yeah. jaw rule, trying to create its own fire festival. Oh, wait, Pat, I wanted to ask you. So this concept of authenticity, I doing like kind of a soft pivot. Pivot. It's something that I feel like I've seen in your films like a lot and uh, how do you feel like you through your journey of like writing and making movies like have come to like see that theme a little differently mm. or like push it to mm. the forefront mm. of your work that's a great question um and and it's definitely been a journey through that and i think actually it's it's a it's a pretty good um it's a, it's a good relation to what we were just talking about, about the idea of forced authenticity or authenticity as a concept versus as a, um, as a state, mm-hmm. you know, of just being. Mm. And I think with filmmaking, you know, when I first thought I wanted to be a filmmaker, I think for, to be totally transparent, I had some good motives and some uh, not so good motives. And some of the not so good motives were I want to be success. I want to be uh, perceived as being successful. I want to be mm. perceived as somebody who makes interesting art. I want to be liked. I want to um, make things that, you know, people come up to me and say, I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed like in my first movie, I would say, you know, I, I like that movie. I'm proud of it. Um, but I see that when I watch it. I, 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 because I know it to be true. I, I, when I, when I look introspectively at it, I think, yeah, you, you know, you had some really good ideas there, but you were always so concerned with what was next. What, what will this mm. thing that I'm making now get me later, as opposed to trying to truly sink into whatever it is I'm trying to do. Um, and so it wasn't until I made a documentary about me and my grandmother's relationship called Fall River um, that started actually it began as what I just described which was I had this idea about going back to my hometown and you know giving this very particular kind of portrait of the city and uh having my grandmother narrate it with the history of the city and I was like this is what this is the movie I'm going to make and people are going to think it's really interesting because this is where I'm from and it wasn't until through that process that when I got there to shoot it I really let go of that. And I really was just totally there with whatever I was seeing as directly. I mean, it's a little bit like whatever I was seeing and feeling, I tried to capture in a very real way. And whatever other people thought about it became irrelevant. It it didn't, Mm. because ultimately, yes, you want, you know, to make stuff that will resonate with people, but if it doesn't resonate with you, if it then, you think, wow, I'm spending a lot of energy on something that isn't for me. And what is it to, and then I started to think like, well, what is it to make art? Why would you have this career as an artist if you're just doing it for all this external gratification and not to try to like learn about yourself and grow and um, explore, you know, all of these things that you know you have going on in your mind and that, uh, you know, there's somewhere in there. And so through that process, actually when I was talking to my grandma for the interview, I kept asking her certain questions about the city that she didn't have that much information about. You know, she's like an 86 year old woman who uh, isn't a historian 
And so she mm-hmm. kept she kept taking these kind of, you know, to be totally frank, boring questions that I was asking her and bringing these fascinating stories of her life into them. Like she would take them and be like, well, you know, actually that kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and Fall River used to be like this and I would like go knocking on my neighbor's door. And, blah, blah. and so she, she was taking these very like sterile questions and making them very personal. And as she was doing this, I really started to just listen to her. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, the only reason I would ever want to make a movie in my hometown is because this is where I'm from. And this woman that I'm talking about raised me and I love her so much. Mm-hmm. And I need to just give her space to be herself without imposing ideas on top of her. And that feeling that experience and, and watching it change within me was the became has become the basis of everything I strive to do as a filmmaker. Um, That's so wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and now I know like, it's funny because I still notice some of those superficial things arise within myself. I think we're all You're human. Of the world. That's right. Yeah, and, the, and, and it's, humans and do I, this. And I think the key is to not judge it, but to notice that it's there and to notice yeah. what it is, you know, and that, so if I'm, you know, overthinking something, Oh, should I cut this film down by five minutes because I want a higher chance of getting it into a film festival? It's like, no, what are these five minutes mean to you in this story that you've spent three years trying to make right and let that be your guiding light always and then from there you know I I think I've realized that it's not the thing about authenticity is it's not about the number of eyeballs that you get on your thing it's not about the number of likes that you get on something it's about making something that you can put into the world and think I'm really proud of that and it's I can say with the utmost certainty back to that idea of like the projection of me meeting with the action of me that that was a reflection of me at a point in time it might not be who i am anymore because we were always changing and Change, growing yeah yeah um but i can look back on the art that i made or you know in your guys case like the comedy you make or, wh- or wh- whatever you can look back on it and think that is an expression of me i was and, thinking about that a lot with mm. comedy actually a lot of the stuff you were saying was really resonant with like stuff that lucas and i talk about on this podcast like all the time with that's great and I feel like you know when I started doing comedy I feel like I started doing a lot of like I don't know it was still some of the same stuff it was still like word play and observation um but it was a lot more like for example it was a lot more like material about being queer because I was like accepting Mm. that part of myself and now wait Gabby yeah Gabby sorry what what And now I'm straight, so I only do material okay, good, okay. about yeah, yeah, that. Now I'm, I look at these stuffed animals. <laughs> yeah, my heart racing there for a second. This is, this is some straight stuff. <laughs> but now straight it's, up gay. I do, for example, now when I do Zoom shows, everything I talk about is like, I watched this documentary recently, because that's all I do. I sit mm. in my unemployed home and I watch documentaries. And like, mm. that is where I am at this point in time. And like, maybe I would have a higher chance of getting into like certain comedy festivals if I was like, I'm this gay comedian. And like, mm. this is, mm. you know, brand the, the temptation to brand yourself. And Lucas, yeah. I'm curious how you deal with this because like, part of like your living that you make is off of like stuff you do mm. on TikTok and like merch and like branding yeah. yourself. So I'm curious how you deal with that as well. Yeah, well, I, it's, it's something that a lot of people complain about on TikTok is like, 
is at some point someone will go, all of a sudden, all of my views are down. What the hell? TikTok algorithm. <laughs> they get they get really mad. And we were talking about this last week as well. The, um, and that is something that I'm so used to. But at the same time, it makes me it stresses me out so much if my videos aren't mm. doing as well as they did ages ago. Like I started doing just this format of me doing like a joke or just a little bit or, or maybe it's a tiny story where I start I do this weird sort of sing songy but monotonous voice and then i end the, i trail off the video by going goodbye and then so good it's and so- i i started doing that format and like in january for a week it was getting millions of views a, a pop it was oh. it was doing so well and then one of my videos it was around the time one of my videos got accidentally flagged for being inappropriate for some reason and then i s- submitted you showed your dick it, exactly that was probably um, when we're sure about happened. to do again it's a family friendly dick um oh that's disgusting <laughs> oh god was, was... i just had a very disturbing image pop into my head thank you very much oh god that was... dick. it's four little dicks one mommy dick a daddy dick and two little children dicks it's yeah. four dicks this is this is gross in a way i can't comprehend this is <laughs> that's right yeah but um but yeah no but actually what the video was about was me just talking about how um the word Arctic, like the reason the Arctic Circle is called the Arctic Circle is because um, that's where polar bears live. And the ancient Greek for a uh, bear is Arctos. And so mm. um, Arctic bears aren't named so because they live in the Arctic. The Arctic was named after the bears. That's what the video was. And it got flagged accidentally. I submitted an appeal and it got restored. But well, then it's really around... inappropriate for you to say Yeah, that, it actually. was. But, um, but yeah, around that time, like videos started like going down a slope, even though I kept up with the format, I was trying mm. to because what TikTok favors favors is like consistency. If you if you stay in a in a pocket or maybe in just a couple things, um, and I've still sort of been trying to like claw my way back up to higher views mm-hmm. and how having my follower growth rate get up to what it was, mm-hmm. and it's just not. And it definitely it's something I think about and I do stress about. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like I was talking yesterday to other comedians, I was like, yeah, this my followers haven't. I, my growth rate hasn't been quite what it was. And a friend just said, it's because you haven't been doing impressions. And um, because the thing is like, I do a lot of, I have done a lot of impressions, but the thing is I don't want to do, I don't want to necessarily be an impressionist. I want to be a comedian. I want to be a storyteller. I want to be, I want to do stuff that isn't as gimmicky. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though that I know impressionists who are amazing. It's just, it's just not what I want to do. It's not what's in my heart. Impressions aren't what's necessarily Mm -hmm. in my heart. And I have thought, oh, should I do more impressions-based content mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. the likes and the followers? And I still do very occasionally, but every time I think, no, you should be, it, that's it. That's another word I, I keep telling myself is I should, like, I should, I feel like mm-hmm. I should yeah. be happy with doing the stuff that I find funny and that I enjoy making regardless of how it performs. But yeah. deep down, I also really care about the performance. And so- mm-hmm. It's something that I'm, it's something that I wrestle with a lot, but I always arrive back with just obviously, obviously the only thing, the only choice is do the stuff you enjoy making. And mm-hmm. if it gets the response, that's great. If not, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's really interesting because I'm curious to hear what you think, like, what is it, the person that you described who notices their follower, you know, the, the views on their videos going down and they, um, or wh- what do you, what is that person seeing that feeling and, and wh- what is it, what is it, I guess, on the other side of that, um, that what does it bring you when you see it going in the other direction? 
Oh, when it goes in the other, when it shoots up, it feels amazing. It is, it's just an instant high. It's an instant feeling of being accepted, mm. of being mm. valued, of people to of people saying, good job. We like you. You're mm. awesome. It's mm-hmm. all of that. It just, it feels so amazing. And then when it goes down, right. it, it feels like it's, it's your, that you're responsible for that, that you're not producing something of quality. Mm. And more often than not, it's something to do with like the people who run TikTok changing the way the algorithm favors videos to put mm-hmm. it on the for you page. And it also, it doesn't it, like I've I'm mutuals with some like bigger creators and I, and they use like zero hashtags or hardly, hardly any description in their video. And it gets like tons of views. And that's, I always, I end up comparing myself to that. Like, I think I should be like that or mm-hmm. like, cause I have a good amount of followers. I have like 1.2 million but like I have, but I'm mutuals with people who are like closer to 2 million or have like three or four. And I'm wow. mutuals with someone who's like, who has like 20 million. And I think I mm. should be like them. Um, well, you know, can, can I, can I, I'm curious to, I, I guess when I hear that, I wonder about wh- where does that end? You know, like, where yeah. is the, you know, wh- where does it go? Because it's I, just I, a dragon I, that you're chasing. For, that's and it. It's, it's, yeah. And that's not healthy. And it's such a, well, I just feel like it's such a binary between like, it's either going in one direction and you're glad, or it's going in the other direction. And the only thing you could be is, is unhappy, you know? Right. And, yeah. And it, it's such, you know, I, I think we all experience that on different levels in our lives. You know, it could, it could be as simple as something in a interpersonal relationship, like when you're in a relationship with somebody and things are not going so well, as opposed to being like, well, this is just part of the rhythm of being alive. This is part of the rhythm of loving somebody. This is part of the rhythm yeah. of be, being, a, you know, an artist, um, such as, such as yeah. myself. And, no, abs- um, and that is something like, uh, something like I was saying, like, there's lots of videos of people complaining about the algorithm or or going like, or sometimes like the way that TikTok like flags videos is inappropriate is super inconsistent. Mm. There are tons of videos that are perfectly family friendly and genuinely. And, but they sometimes- Not a family friendly dick. (laughs) Not a family friendly dick. That's my TikTok, Um, my private TikTok. (laughs) We're missing an opportunity to call it a dick talk. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, but, um, that's Gabby, the comedian four years ago, the wordplay comedian. <laughs> oh my god, the wordplay comedian! Yeah, I'm a comedian, and I just said "dick talk." Wow, <laughs> fucking revolutionary! Put I'm me laughing. in the loop. Listen. Yeah, I, I, if I can make Pat Haywood laugh, I mean, that's it. Yeah, it was a I'm sorry, do you have an English morning. degree from Harvard or something? Because like, <laughs> so I did used to work in the video inspired. department at Harvard, so I'm very smart. Uh, but no, that's, um, but that's yeah. interesting. Get, yeah it's it's a very yeah the the way that they like um favor videos or unfavor videos in terms like tiktoks and of the it's very inconsistent and it's something and so when people like make videos complaining you know why is tiktok doing this to me it's Mm. sometimes okay so so for one thing that's for sure is that they have been known to silence or decrease purposefully decrease the views of people that are um, fat or in the LGBTQ mm. community or black or and like they're and in a very conscious and clear way that they have done. And so that's, that's kind of its own thing. But in general, like a lot of people complain like, and I'm just so used to it fluctuating for me in terms yeah. of my performance mm-hmm. and I still get hung up about it, but I always remind myself this happens. You've been through this before. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, and it's also, it sounds like you're, you know, the, 
the, the reality of your well-being really gets sucked into that, right? Like it becomes the stakes of it become so high because you put all this energy into creating this content and yeah. you want it to, it, it becomes a true extension of the, that thing that we were describing, that character in your head that you mm-hmm. want to give to the world and you want to show people you invest so much time and energy into that. And so when you feel like you've, I, I think that's why it's so important to what you were saying before, what both of you were saying before about, valuing the the personal connection that you have with whatever you're doing versus how you think others will perceive it for external gratification that at the end of the day and this is this was the irony of what i was saying before about myself as a filmmaker where that when i tried so hard to be something i couldn't i couldn't get there but then when i really took a step back and kind of let my, you know, excuse whatever word I'm going to use, let my soul, let my spirit guide me, you know, and I, you know, with the last film that I had, I got into, our film got into some of like, truly the best film festivals in the world. And it was, but what was interesting about that process was I, it didn't feel the way that I had thought it would feel um, three or four years ago when I was that person who thought it was all about the rewards I was getting, who thought it was about the, you know, the more, more, more me, me, me. And it was, it became something when I just was producing art that I was truly grateful for. And then those things came as a result of it. It, you know, I, I mean, truly all it was, was gratitude. I was so grateful that these institutions were interested in in screening my film, but it wasn't like, it didn't justify anything that I had done. It, well, it also I, doesn't feel like the hope of it. The hope that's of it. what you feel when you're like, oh gosh, I hope I get into this amazing festival. Or it applies to anyone, this amazing Everything. school, yeah. this amazing like college, anything. And then yeah. you actually do it. it. It doesn't always feel like you feel like it should feel. Like sometimes Almost I feel never. that way. Like looking at a beautiful view, I'm like, I get neurotic because yeah. I'm like, this? Well, you can't hold on to it. There's nothing to hold on to. Once right. the thing happens, it's, it's like in, in Buddhism, they talk about the idea of grasping being the enemy of, of happiness, that when you grasp onto ideas, these ideas that we have in our minds, oh, if I just get this, if I just have this, if I just, whatever I can grasp onto, you, you can only hold on for so long because moments, they come yeah. and go. They truly yeah. are. Yeah. It's also that whatever like goal you have in your mind, once you get there, it's, it's, it's almost like I remember like when I was touring a college, it felt huge. And when I got mm. there, it felt smaller because I got mm. used to it. Yeah. And I remember I was became a reality. I, exactly. And once you get to your goal, very often it just be, you get there and you realize it's just another rung on the ladder. And mm-hmm. there's and there's mm-hmm. so many other steps and stages ahead of you. Yes. And so, yeah, I remember like I saw an interview with Osama Siddiqui, who's a comedian, oh, and wow. I saw him. He's so he's fantastic. Um, But I saw him talk about, you know, about just how excited he was to get passed at the cellar. And then when he was passed at the cellar, he was like, oh, I still have so much to do. I still have Mm to grow a follower base. I still have to tour. I still have to do dates. I still have to do everything else that comes with being a comedian. It's just and yeah, it's a great accomplishment, but there's still mm. so much you still have to and do outside of that. sometimes it's even yeah. scarier. You get like a, you get a residency somewhere, you get on a big show or something. Like when I got on that, I got on this one show in front of like a crowd of tourists at one point at like, you know, it was like primetime spot or whatever. And I was so excited. And then I went and I bombed and I was like, mm. well, you know, you get this accomplishment and then you have to 
be ready for it. And that takes work. Mm. So it's like, you have to be in it for the actual thing you're in it for. Yeah. When people are in it for accolades, they just end up making something like Malcolm and Marie, which is. <laughs> I've seen it. Oh, I'm waiting for a nice day to get nice and stoned to watch well Um, i would actually say don't watch it stone because i watched it stone and it was a huge mistake Uh because i just sat there being like how is this movie real this is simply about emotional abuse this is simply (laughs) about about, it's not like watching it's not like watching a a bug's life or something while you're high well i did also watch that would be that would be scary because like (laughs) a little yeah that would be scary because kevin spacey's grasshopper was terrifying if i was high that would be too Especially what we know about him, it would be even scarier. Yeah. Well, I watched Bugs yeah, Life. Cool. Actually, no, I wasn't high. I was jet lagged, which is, you know, very similar like experience. The organic yeah. fair Altered trade state high. of consciousness, yeah. Falling in and out of sleep. At one point I woke up and I just said to like a room of people, you know, this was in the before. I was like, the bugs are ugly. And everyone laughed. <laughs> but it was my experience. It was my experience of the subject matter. The bugs are ugly. And this is something I struggle with in myself too. I have a hard time in art when things are too ugly like i watched yeah. the mummy the mummies are ugly They're yeah really well we ugly. like beautiful things we like fractals geometric <laughs> patterns so you know ugly things are not great the mummies uh, what why does undead have to mean unsexy you know true true <laughs> nothing 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 uh nothing wrong with dying you know it's uh but you had time to contour you were in there for <laughs> thousands of years <laughs> They were there thousands of years to put some rouge on. Am I right? (laughs) I mean, come on. Watch a YouTube tutorial, bitch. (laughs) Uh. So Sylvie told me about this song recently that's by Josh Ritter. And it's about, the lyrics are about a female researcher and who falls in love with a mummy at the museum that she's like researching. This is a song. This is a song, yeah, and it's this beautiful, like, love song about this mummy and this uh, researcher. But then I thought about it, and I was like, so that must have meant this researcher was, like, looking at a mummy, you know, just in the glass and thought, like, damn, I want to hit that. Yeah, something arose there. (laughs) I mean, mummies, the the little things that keep them in tombs. Yeah, the sarcophagus. The sarcophagus, sarcophagus, yeah, which is why it's so alarming. Kind of a sexy word in and of itself. Sarcophagus. Sarcophagus, Sarcophagus, Mm. yeah. I want to hit that sarcophagus. (laughs) I'm very aroused. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, the images are very, like, beautiful and elegant and stuff. But if you open it up, they're they're wrinkled little things. They're not hot at all. I know to my own detriment. Um, yeah oh yeah yeah you've got you've got an appointment after this podcast actually (laughs) check out oh yeah dusty Um, appointment yeah Um, it is it is interesting one thing lucas i wanted to say to something you were mentioning a little while ago about um that comedian that you were talking about how there's always something else and there's always growth there's always something i think you know this is kind of a a hypothesis or a a theory i have it's i I know it i know it to be true about my own life whether other people see this it's i'll never know you know but um i think sometimes people we live under the mistake of seeing our lives as like a linear timeline you know and so Mm. people were born we you know we're kids we get taught things we go to school we enter the workforce we try to make a living the, the idea of you, know, the workforce is, you know, say you're from 20 to 65 or 70, you're working and the idea is to go up, 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 right? Yeah. So it's like this linear path forward. We all know we're going to die at some point and, but we don't operate our lives as if without, like we, we operate for ourselves in the future. That's like what a mutual fund is, right? Like we're, think about how nuts it is that we're 
trying to take care of ourselves. 50 years of the future yeah. it's yeah. great but like you could get hit by a truck tomorrow you know, know. it's and mm-hmm. it, it's it's interesting where you know so you plan this life you're going up 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 at some point you think i'm going to stop my career and then you think you're going to be old and you've planned this whole life to be in the stage and then you're going to die when you're old and i think a lot of people kind of see life that way and i think it's a mistake I, I don't think life is actually like that. I, I don't think life lived is like that. I think maybe, again, that back to the idea, the story in your head of yourself is like that because we enjoy stories, we enjoy narratives, we, mm-hmm. we feel mm-hmm. we are the hero of that narrative in our head. Um, but when I actually go outside and I go on a walk and I am hanging out with my friends, I realize my life is, is quite nonlinear. You know, some, some days I'm very happy. Some days I'm not very happy. Some days I get a lot of writing done. Some days I don't get any writing done. Um, and some days I'm very connected. Some days I'm not. And I've really tried to embrace that lifestyle of not feeling like I always need to be put, 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 go, 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 go. And more try to bring discipline to whatever it is that I feel in any given moment. You know, and I, th- I think mm. that's how you open yourself up to spontaneity and the beauty of mm. life of just, yeah. you know, if, if you don't expect things to be forward, 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 more, more, more growth, 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 you can just kind of sink into whatever is there. And then you, you can appreciate when like weird shit happens. You know, I, I feel like the stories we tell about ourselves and the stories that mean the most to us are not the ones where like, Hey, I really wanted this thing. And I, I wanted it. I wanted it. And I got it. And then I wanted more stuff. And then I got it. The, yeah. like, the stories we tell about our lives and the beauty that we find in our lives are, Hey, I was walking down the street and some woman, you know, bumped into me and then we fell on the floor together and, you know, started laughing our heads off. And it was just this like pure moment of random. That's how I met your mother. Yeah. And then we made sweet, passionate love right there on the sidewalk. Oh man. I could have done better than that story. I don't know why I have this imaginary woman that I'm swimming on the floor with. I mean, I know why. You want to swim on the floor with an imaginary uh, woman. That's true. Yeah. Who doesn't? I know. She's I very, dream about she's it constantly. Nice. Yeah. But I, there's this great um, principle in Zen, in Zen Buddhism called Wu Wei. And Wu Wei, it, there's not a clean translation into English, but it, it, it ostensibly means um, Wu is not and Wei is to force or to action. And so uh, it basically means like effortless being, effortless action. Mm. And the trick about Wu Wei that's really interesting is to the moment you try to be Wu Wei, you are no longer Wu Wei. You can oh. only be Wu Wei truly moving through it's life. It's like, oh my God, what was you... that fucking thing? The game like that we all did in middle school? Oh, when you lost the game. The when only you way... lost the game, the only way to lose the game was to remember the game. Oh, that's interesting. Kinda, that's, yeah. The yeah. game is fucking Wu Wei. Yeah. Buddha invented the Oh my God. Dude. Oh my God. They would be so that... proud. <laughs> it's a tr- we live in a truly global society where we can connect those two things. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I hear way. you. It actually reminds me of what you were talking about with the, the TikTok thing where it's like, you know, if you aspire to something and then it goes, your the views go up and then you get happy, the views go down, you get sad. And then it's like, you're in this mm-hmm. spiral because you keep wanting things to go up and up. But that's how we learn 
to exist, right? Yes. Like yeah. that's how that's just part of the vocabulary of growing up as a yeah, person, like, or at indeed. least in our society. And, to, and you're go to college, you're, get married, yeah. get a job, die. Absolutely. It's like what yeah. is supposed to happen within those confines. And also, and I'll say this one last thing before we go into listener submissions. It's like I think some of the best moments in life are when something sucks or goes bad. It's like, the only way you can learn. It's the yeah. only, it's it's actually the only way. Every meaningful thing I have ever learned have been through the most difficult things that have ever happened to me. Yes. Oh yeah. And yet, and yet I move through life trying to avoid those difficult things. It's very interesting. It's also something, it's something that re that hit me like a ton of bricks when someone was, uh, it was a conversation I saw online about Donald Trump and just like how crazy he is and how little empathy he has and how, and, and, but then someone said, can you imagine how unbearable you would be you if your whole life, you never heard the word no. Mm. And that just hit me mm. like a ton of bricks sure. about like what sort of person I would become if I was raised that way. Yeah. If I, and I just thought it, it was a, it was a very humanizing moment Absolutely. where it wasn't like absolving him of responsive, but it was, a, but it was, it was, it did make me feel, I was like, okay, I am still the same species as this person. Yeah, Absolutely. I too would incite an inter- insurrection if I never. Yeah. No, I got. Yeah, I'm kidding, but I. <laughs> no, you two would exclusively marry Slovenian women. <laughs> there, there is something to what you're saying, Lucas. Though I, I think that there's a, I've really taken to heart this, um, the the trying to truly have compassion for every uh, living being to some degree, and I think that, you know. And the word empathy is thrown around a lot nowadays. And I, I think that empathy can be a really good thing, but I think people, I think empathy is not always a great thing um, because I think emp- to, I, I see the difference in compassion and empathy is empathy is to take on another's pain as your own pain. So Gabby's mm. sad, therefore I am sad. And I, I truly try to feel your pain where yeah. I, I see compassion as recognizing your pain and wishing for it to be alleviated without that's the, me that's needing sympathy. to be. Yeah. yeah, that's the sympathy, empathy distinction. And a lot of people say sympathy is better than empathy for that very yeah. reason. Well, you can have empathy, too much empathy. You've too sub- yeah, well, you've got, yeah, you can have too much. Em- and I think empathy is useful in one-on-one relationships. So like if you're in a relationship with your, you know, let's just say my hypothetical girlfriend, um, <laughs> who doesn't exist. Washington. Uh, but my hypothetical <laughs> girlfriend, my a male cat, um, there's a lot of stuff wrong. Love that, is love, it? Pat. Uh, love they, is love. Well, that's true. They said if they let the gays get married, that this would happen. And sure yeah, enough, <laughs> it's a flood. The floodgates have slope. opened. The it's a slippery slope. Um, but you know that, like, if she if she's angry about um, something that happened to her, it actually I do think is very useful for for me to be able to take on her emotional state there and really try to relate to her in that way of being like. Yeah, I, I'm. That pisses me off too. That that person did that to you. That sucks. You know, to, mm-hmm. to feel that. It's but also. Think, oh, sorry. It's also that you have so much more information because, like, you know, so many mm-hmm. relationships are fractured nowadays. Because, especially now, because like we're all separated from each other. But if it's someone you're close with, chances are you're able to absorb so much more information, so you get a better picture of what's going on with them. Yeah. Whereas exactly. if you so and you can't do that with everyone, but you no. can and should do that with a couple of people in your yes. life. And, and, but you can have compassion for everybody. You can, yes. you, you can truly look at any other being recognize their humanity and think if I had had your exact same life and been born in that exact same body and that same circumstances, I would be just like that person, no matter mm-hmm. what they've done. And that was the point you were making about Trump is that like, I have 
absolutely, you talk about sympathy. I have absolutely zero sympathy for that guy. But I do on a very fundamental level understand that he is a product of whatever weird way he grew up. And to your point, never having anybody say no to him. Um, We are all products of everything that's ever happened to us. What could we possibly be, you know? For sure. What we could be are our listeners' submissions. Oh. Ah. Uh, guys are pros. We, we, we've done, this is not our first rodeo, Pat Haywood. No. Uh, so for these, you know, you can give advice. You can tell everyone to fuck off. The ball is totally in your court, but we get all kinds of things. We get people oh. just confessing what their weird phobias are. We also get some gossip just out of context. Oh, yeah, that's um, great. So here, Lucas, you want to read the first one? Yeah. Um, should we do the, the one that you sent me that one? First? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is our first one on my aunt's wedding day in 2019, my mom, my uncle, and my aunt all got really drunk and decided to go bar hopping after they all got extremely drunk. They went back to my aunt's apartment and did copious amounts of cocaine. My mom ended up passing out in bed with my new uncle and my aunt found them together in bed the next day. They claimed that they didn't do anything, but after my mom left her phone on the counter, open with texts from my uncle, it was clear that that was not true. My aunt and uncle are still together today. Another fun part about that dynamic is my aunt is my dad's sister, <laughs> whom he no longer speaks to. <laughs> and my mom has been divorced from my dad since 2012, so they have no relation whatsoever. Mm. My mom has a relationship with my dad's mom. This is okay, this is too many people. Um, my mom has a relationship there. with my dad's mom, my dad's sister, and my dad's dad, and my dad, and my dad isn't <laughs> on speaking grandpa, terms bro. with any of them. <laughs> Just say we grandpa, just, motherfucker. Come this on. is a whole episode of Days of Our Lives. This is this is Oh my God. Okay, let's try and piece so, this together one by one. Right? This is a jigsaw. Oh my God. So, the big event is that uh, mom slept with uncle. Yes. Okay. On right. the other side of the family, I guess. I think, right. okay, so I think it's like. Mom I don't think and she then, slept with her own brother. No, no, I think no, it's like with dad's her ex-husband's sister's brother. I think it's dad's sister and sister's husband. That's what I'm thinking. Oh my God. What do you th- I'm going to. So it's myself. the in laws. You know, I yeah. see, I see. But just was. all mom, aunt, and uncle to the person to the writer, the person who wrote in. So this is a brilliant submission. This is. I have like, a question: Is this woman's? Is what she's hoping to get from this submission like, uh, how am I ever going to mentally survive like family dinners kind of thing, or is she just like, please listen I, to me? This person is just. I think they're just saying, "Hey, this is a juicy little tidbit." I didn't here, tell you, somebody this. So this is exactly what we're agenda. looking for. This is exactly what we say we want. So, the, the mom and the uncle slept together. The aunt found them in bed. They clearly the something happened. The they texted, "I love you." Aunt, I um, want to know what the texts say. I think that's really important here. Are the texts like, <laughs> fuck, we made a big mistake? Or are they like, damn, that was so fun? You know, that that's was the best yeah. night. Yeah. I, I feel like. It's like, from- oh, I get crazy when I do blow. Oh. Exactly. Well, that was my next question is I, for both of you, um, do they get a pass because of how inebriated they were? No, I don't think so. No. I mean, you and that's like being like, oh yeah, I cheated on you, but I was hammered. It's like, yeah, but when yeah. you're hammered, there's still some part of the back of your thinking brain that's like, exactly. Wow, I should. By the way, when it. I do ambient, I don't become racist. Just just putting this out there, um, no. yeah. just for anyone who's listening. Um, 
<laughs> it's like, well, they did copious amounts of cocaine. For I do want to know were they all what is copious amounts? Family? Yeah, I'm what not- is copious amounts? Yeah, I, I got it because to me there's a <laughs> like is it like a Ferrero Rocher like pyramid? Like how? <laughs> Yeah, right, right, exactly. To be fair, a little bit of cocaine sometimes is actually a lot of cocaine. If if well, any of these listeners want a tidbit from Especially Yappy. if you've been drinking. I mean, there's like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What, am I a bad person that I kind of want to give them a little bit of a pass because they were so messed up? Like, not a yeah, pass, but I know, like, I know what you mean, but like... You know, like, I've, yeah. I've done really lo- stupid things when I've been drunk. And in fact... Look, to go all the way back to the character of me in my head. Go for it. There's oftentimes when I intoxicate myself, that little guy becomes pretty different. He becomes, yeah. you know, and oh, so yeah. whatever that is, is it my unconscious? Is it my subconscious? So did this cocaine just like, I mean, because basically what Coke does is it blows out your ego to a point of like, it floods you with so much dopamine uh, that you think you're the king of the, the planet or queen of the planet. Uh, right or whatever, you know. The mom has been divorced from the dad since 2012. Oh, but it's the aunt's wedding day in 2019. Oh my God, I totally forgot. How did we forget that it was the wedding day? Oh my God. It's like when you, when you, um, when there's a riddle that's like there's a bus driver he drops off three kids here he drops off four kids here he drops off eight kids here two kids get on here what color were the bus driver's eyes? Like that's what this felt like to me and that like we missed like such a key detail up top. The cheating happened on the wedding day. That's why they did copious amounts of cocaine because it was the wedding night. But was one of the people there, were they one of the people who got married? Yes. I think it was the aunt's wedding day. I'm guessing aunt to uncle. Aunt to uncle. Yeah. Interesting. So it's newlyweds. I take back what I said about the forgiveness. That's pretty fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, my damn. god. That's rough. that's rough. Thank you for writing this in. This is Oh my yeah, god. Um a gorgeous submission. I would call that it. I would call if if I had gotten that in a script, I would call it overwritten, but it, yeah. it is but the fact that it's a real bit. is it's a little confusing, but it was great. Yeah, um, to close the loop on this, um your uncle sucks. Uh don't yeah. cheat on someone by ever, but especially on your wedding on your night. Wedding night. Yeah. On your yeah. wedding night. Okay. Yeah. All right, nice. let's do let's do another one. Let's see. Um, someone said we weren't allowed to have chocolate chips growing up, except for special occasions. I thought all families were like that until senior year of high school when a friend brought chocolate chips to school. Mm. Um, okay, that's a cave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, this is the. Oh Halloween. my god! If you grow up thinking all families and you're and you're in a cave, <laughs> you're gonna be like. There are this no chocolate chips me, in this cave. <laughs> this reminds me of a, a thing that happened when I was a kid where, um, um, I don't know if you got, um, wait, uh, Pat, do you celebrate Christmas? Or did you um, have like a treat? Well, have you ever had like chocolate decorations? So they look like regular baubles, but it's actually chocolate wrapped in foil um, that you no. hang on the tree. Anyway, no. so, okay. Well, when I was a kid, um, we had that and I, they're obviously like really good. And at one time I saw my uncle, um, I say my uncle, he's more like an older cousin. He's um, more he's like a- someone my mom slept with on his wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> this is my, okay, this is my mom's brother. This is my mom's half brother. Um, but um, yeah, but um, I saw him take one of these chocolates. It was like right before we were all about to have dinner. And I was like, 
oh, you can't, I was like, you can't do that. You'll spoil your appetite. And I was, I don't, I don't know if I said that. And I said, but I said something along the lines of you're not supposed to do that at this point. And he just looked at me and said, yes, you can. And then he just ate it. Mm. And that Mm. blew my mind. Totally. Broke the rules. Broke your rules. Exactly. It just, it, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's crazy to think you can do anything you want. Like, I feel like it took me until I was like 19 to be like, if I want to buy myself a whole cake, like I can, if I have the income and nobody's going to stop me, not a soul in the world, even though my parents always told me growing up, you can't eat a whole cake by yourself. Apparently you can. The whole rules of your life change in that moment. Gabby, you're describing freedom. Am I, or am I describing extreme gluttony? Extreme glut- Listen, shit, they can, am they I can describing be the, same the shits? For, you know, gluttony yeah. can be born of freedom. I would say. Um, no, it is, but it's it goes into like a thing like as a child, it only makes sense that you have to take your parents or whoever raises you as absolutely. their word is gospel. That's the only yeah. way you're going to live because if you don't have that instinct to go, oh, that is the law. That is no, the no, only no. way that the world works. Is I listen to what they say you will die. Like that's the way like yes. your parents says like, yes. don't, or like, don't eat that berry. It's poisonous. If you don't mm-hmm. believe that you will die. So it's no, evolutionarily, no. you're supposed no. to believe your parents or yeah. whoever and raises in your, you. And, in the, in the period of time where your brain is most susceptible to being programmed into exactly becoming who you are. And I think that that's why a lot of kids end up having to deal with some version of their parents, unresolved baggage. You know, yes. if you, if oh, you have, yeah. If you have parents that um, didn't deal with something, naturally they are going to, it, it's going to project itself onto you somehow. And that, I mean, yeah. that, that's what generational trauma is, I guess, to some degree. It's, um, oh, absolutely. But you're right. It is, it is funny, Gabby, what you were just like the, I feel like in a lot of ways, what you're kind of describing is self-growth, where you constantly have these rules that you've set in your mind that are true because you abide by them. I can't do X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. Um, And then one day you are like, yes, I can. And then the rule changes and now you have a new set of rules. Well, now I can do, I have all my other rules, except this one rule is now different. You know, before I couldn't have chocolate after 12 and now I've decided I can. And so this is the new me. (laughs) You can set rules for yourself too, which is crazy. Like my that's best all, friend, that's all they are. My best friend Juliet has this thing where she's like, she had it, or she has it, for, she had it for a while. I don't know if she has it anymore, but um, she always said, water only tastes good after midnight. She'll wow, drink it, what? she'll drink it before. That midnight, is fucking bonkers. But it just doesn't taste as good. I always said to her, I was like, I think that the reason this tastes good after you wait a certain time for it is because you're, you're dehydrated. Thirsty. You're thirsty. <laughs> yes. You needed some water. <laughs> so it tasted real good. Salt of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh just let, I guess our, our wrap up on that is a uh, listener. It's okay to let the world change around you. Absolutely. Let, let the world change around you and in you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And also in terms of an internal world, there's a very short submission that is hilarious. <laughs> it is. Wait, let me count how many words it's one, two, three, four, five, six. It's eight words. Um, this is what, this is what it is. Oh my God. My pregnant toes are being terrible. <laughs> Man, I understand. That is, oh. Can we, what, so what are some scenarios where your pregnant toes would not be cooperating with you? I guess I'm guessing like putting, they're putting swollen. On. I'm yeah. guessing they're swollen and, and cumbersome. Yeah. I'm guessing. It doesn't sound pleasant. 
This no. is, I just Googled this. If you Google pregnant toes, I almost said present toes, which is so funny. <laughs> if, if your toes <laughs> achieve that. Zen and are truly <laughs> in the moment. Say. Hormonal changes also occur that lead to laxity or looseness of the ligaments in your feet. This loosening results in an increase in foot length and width with a decrease in arch height, meaning the arch becomes flatter. You may notice Whoa. that shoes feel tighter or that you can no longer. I have heard of this. I have heard of like that, like your feet grow, especially like cat, like it's just everything in the body changes. Lucas and I were just talking about feet today. Yeah, we were. (laughs) We were, we were texting each other photos of our feet. Is that, is that par for the course or is this a special, special day? It's just our kink. No, what it is. um, No, what the thing is like, is that sometimes when I do um, live streams on TikTok, very often someone will write because there's like a little message board and you can read what people say. There's someone who goes feet reveal. Like there's someone who is <laughs> also toilet reveal. I've gotten that a lot. Can you I do think sense? the uh, the the addition that you made just now to that of like the person gleaming with hope in your their eyes at feet reveal that was editorial. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, what they're probably doing is halfway through journey. Like, they're like feet, feet reveal. reveal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> feet reveal, please. But yeah, yeah, I liked how sweet and hopeful you were in that. Just feet reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this foot. <laughs> Isn't I feel it? like that's definitely the most optimistic way tone that you could yeah. read into that. Uh, I'm but, I'm an optimist. I'm- <laughs> I can tell. I get that from you. Yeah. I was gonna. My, my one question for that the comment was, pregnant with what? I'm assuming a baby. Pregnant with envy. <laughs> pregnant with, yeah, with right. fear. Well, you pregnant know, to, to be pregnant, you must be with with something, right? Like yeah. that's what pregnancy it's is. It's a so. pregnant pause. A pregnant, <laughs> yeah. Pregnantly paused. So filled pregnantly. With, filled uh, with stress, filled with, you know. Yeah. What's, what, what I'm wondering is that she says, my pregnant toes are being terrible. So I'm wondering if it, mm. this is something that fluctuates. This isn't just like <laughs> right, a stage right. she's gotten to. This is something that like, comes and goes where yeah. her toes feel fine in some days and then on other days they're just like little nazis they're just ah, you know yeah just- yeah yeah well it's funny pat i feel you'll have an opinion on this you know we're all so divorced from our bodies that like sometimes mm-hmm. if, if like your shoulders hurting or your back's hurting or something it starts to feel like you get angry at your body and it's like, oh, my mm. body is being so mm. terrible. You know, it's misbehaving. Yeah. Oh, I definitely right now. have that. If I yes. have like a weird pain in my body, I get mad at my body. Mm. Mm. It's just crazy because this is just what our body is just screaming like you need something right now. Like, please give yeah. me like the thing that I need or the thing that I want. Like your hip is hurting. Maybe you need to stretch your hip. And I'm like, no, I'm going to fucking do the laundry instead mm. because that's what I have to do. And it's just like, yeah. Uh, there's no reason that we need to treat our bodies. I'm not saying this listeners, I'm not being like stupid bitch. Don't call your toes that obviously. Um, But well, no, I'm, I'm really not. Cause that would be so mean, but (laughs) I'm saying maybe instead of like being like my toes are being terrible. It's like my toes feel bad right now because of the beautiful life inside me I'm about to create. Oh, uh, that's very that's sweet. So sweet. Um, Which is also, but at the same time, if I was pregnant, I'd be like, "Well, fuck you too. My toes are being however yeah. I want, and I want 
pickles and ice cream or whatever. Gabby, uh, uh, there, if there's if there's anything I know about pregnancy, it's that they don't. It's people who are pregnant do not like to be told like how they should feel. Like, I know that the sure. listeners probably listening to this episode like Gabby, you have no fucking idea what I'm going through. Like yeah. I know, and rough. I thought I thought that immediately after I said anything, and I'm so sorry because I have no idea what it's like to be pregnant. I'm talking about the the feeling of being so divorced from your own body that you right. like, feel angry uh, at it specifically that. Yeah, Gabby, I think you're, I think you're, you are getting at something. Um, Thank you. Pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, you're welcome. So I know that's when you were waiting for my compliment. Nice compliment. Um, hey, you said something. <laughs> you said something. Now let, me, ta- now let me take something. it. And those were words. No. Those were words those, in a grammatical were, order. That I'm now going to also say some words. Um, <laughs> no, no, but I, I think that we do often find ourselves constantly judging ourselves right like it it could be i think what you just described is you judging your body i wish i were you know 10 pounds lighter i wish i were in better shape i wish i didn't have this pain in my shoulder um you know that can happen to your body and mind and one one thing that like i mentioned earlier in the podcast i've taken up uh meditation uh as a very, you know, as a daily practice. And uh, with that, I do yoga every day. And certainly I used to be very, very cynical about yoga just because I, I, I saw, I knew people who did it, who were a certain way. And I was always so annoying to the culture of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was resistant to the the culture of what I perceived others around me to what yoga was to them. And I, you know, again, back to what we were talking about, those arbitrary rules. I was like, I'm not a person who does yoga. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I started doing it and now I do it every, I've done it every day for almost a year. And one thing that it has brought me um, amongst, amongst many things is, I mean, yoga literally translates to unity or to unite. And it is a very kind of beautiful synergy between dropping judgment. And, and, and Gabby, I know you practice yoga too. You know this. It's a, you drop the judgment to truly drop into whatever is there without having a needing to have a positive or a negative feeling about it. That that's, that's what I love about meditation. Well, you so literally much. can't cause it's you like, can't because it's just happening. It's, if your body hurts and you're in, but, but it doesn't hurt in a way where it's like, sometimes you're doing yoga and it hurts in a way where you're like, this hurts so bad. I need to leave this pose right now. And right. that's always fine. Then you go into child's pose or something or modify it somehow. But when it hurts in a way where it's just like something feels different than usual, like yeah, that's not yeah. good or bad. That's just, that just is. It's just change. It's just all happening. Yeah. yeah. And and I think one thing that meditation has revealed to, to me in my life that uh, I think is interesting to this idea of judging the body and the mind in a lot of ways where you know, I, I ask myself, like, wh- from which, from what place do we judge that from, right? Like, what is it judging the body there? Because that's you, you know. So, wh- from from what space is that coming from? And you know, you think about just the design of us, and that we have our bodies, we have our minds. Sometimes they're connected, sometimes they're not. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that that's where like consciousness comes into play, which is the 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 kind of observer of your own experience yeah Um, and meditating is kind of what that is it's like you try to become the observer of the experience so you notice that there are sounds impinging on your ears you notice that you have a sensation in your shoulder you notice thoughts coming in and out and that space 
is you. It's the experience of what it is like to be you. And we all have this weird experience of being able to observe what's happening to us, almost like we were watching the movie of our lives. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. where the judgment comes in, where you're like, let, let's just say we're all living in a three-dimensional movie that we're the only person that gets to watch our own movie. You're like, when you watch a movie, you're like, that scene sucked. I hated that scene. I wish that it were different. That's kind of how it feels when I have that pain in my shoulder. I'm like, God, yeah. I hate this part of the movie. Or when this your sucks. toes are when your toes are pregnant, you're like, fuck these fuck, preg- man. fuck yeah. these pregnant toes. I love that we were able to take this eight word submission and just turn Listen, it into some yeah. us is more wild man. shit. That's why this is improv. This is improv. That's that's a- why I wanted you on here, Pat Haywood. You're the perfect guest. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> yeah. So welcome. I'm so glad that I could fit into your uh, your model. <laughs> yeah, no, we just put, but we put you into our little fucking factory feeder of podcast right. guests. You <laughs> do nothing if not fit the mold, and exactly, it's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, and to do. on that note, we coming on uh, very close to the end of the podcast. Something we do at the end is called um, a self perception corner. Would you please d- describe this? Is this I'm, is I yeah. can't wait for this. I'm so this excited. is. We, um, <laughs> Okay, get to it. Um, Please describe the way you believe you are perceived by others, and then we'll tell you how we perceive you. How how do I believe that I am perceived by others? I mean, I I suppose that it depends on, of course, others is such a, like, broad spectrum, right? Like, I I know that there are people, I actually know for a fact that there are people who aren't crazy about the person that I am, you know, who just don't really relate to who I am, who my sense of humor is. Who specifically um, do you think? And their names. Yeah, sorry, let me get that yeah. list back out. Hold <laughs> yeah. on, let me get that list that we were talking about. We earlier. need a head list. Yeah, just, just people people you meet and you, you know, you talk and you're like, oh, this isn't going that well. You know, mm-hmm. we're like, we're not, it's not bad. It's just, we're not vibing. We don't have right. a relationship. And so I imagine that those people see me as, you know, I imagine that they see me as somebody not worth getting to know, but I'm going to choose to answer the question uh, from the point of view of people who love me, um, which I think is the way to see yourself ultimately. And that's the way you should, you know, strive to see yourself as the people who care about you the most. And those people I think would say, you know, and I'm quoting some people here, not directly, but sort of spiritually quoting um, things that people have said to me. I think I'm a, compassionate person. I think I'm an introspective person. I think I um, am a person who is not afraid to ask difficult questions of themselves and others. Uh, I think I'm a good listener. I think they would, people have said that I'm a good listener. And, um, you know, I think people who know me and know my story, um, which, you know, we got into a little bit here, just, you know, growing up in, you know, very, very poor and, um, you know, parents dying at a young age and, you know, learning to live with all that. I think people have commented on the fact that they feel that I'm a very, that, that considering what they know my story to be, that they see me as a, a grounded person with a lot of perspective who can laugh at themselves. And, I, and I, that's something that, you know, I know you, this was the part of the question, but I think the thing I love about myself the most um, and how I see myself the most is somebody who, no matter how painful or pleasurable or, serious something feels that I can truly laugh at it and find some perspective on it. So, you know, that's how I hope people see me. Perhaps it's wishful thinking, but who knows? Well, we're going to tell you right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Give it to me. Give it to me. Um, 
I'll go, I'll go first. I'll, um, because Gabby, I think you'll have more to say knowing, uh, Pat, but like you pretty much nailed it on. I think, uh, like from what I gathered, you seem like very, some very introspective, very well-read someone who's very intelligent, but is also very, at least attempts to try to chill and be one with yourself and kind to others. It just, all of the above, it was just, and someone you seem very disciplined and that you're focused on creating good habits um like starting like meditating and doing yoga these are all things that a lot of people want to start doing but don't just don't make the headway to actually get in the habit of doing so it's you seem very healthy to me that's that's a big word i would say is that you seem to it doesn't seem like you're locked Mm. or that anything is hell you don't seem like someone who holds tension Mm. Yeah, thank you. That I mean, that, I mean, honestly, you know, let's get corny, but that is a very meaningful thing that you just said because it's something that I've tried to make so. You know, I've I've tried to bring that to be true because I I wasn't always like that, and I the fact that I have been able to notice that I wasn't like that and then try to shift it into develop healthy habits and to see you know to try to find growth within yourself it feels really good I'm sure you both can relate to that Gabby I mean I know this isn't about you but I I did want to share with you on this this (laughs) venue but it is and I'm about to make it about you that you know even even you knowing you I've, I've known you for probably five or six years now and I've seen you grow so much, you know, I've seen you as a human being and the things that matter to you and the things you've been able to, I've seen you hold on to and let go. You know, sometimes it does, it takes other people to notice those things about you. Um, But then I've also seen you notice them within yourself, which is truly the most beautiful part of, you know, I feel like being friends with somebody. So, you know, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so for my part of this, Pat, the way I perceive you, Where should I start? Um, oh, man. Mm. Nervous. Like, I'm excited. It's, I see, first of all, someone who's lived many lives, like mm. a lot of different lives, different parts of your lives. People who met you at different phases of your life probably wouldn't even recognize you from an mm. earlier phase of your life, I think, um, which isn't good or bad. It just is. Um, I see you as someone who's like very like radically open-minded, but also neurotic in the sense of like, you are thinking through every possibility of the way a thing could be because you are so open-minded about it. And so, but you'll think through every route that you could possibly go, but then you'll choose one because you're disciplined and driven. Um, And it might change down the line, but you'll think through everything before you make a decision, which is something I've always admired about you because I'm not like that. I'm very impulsive. Um, You are particular in a way that I think is beautiful. (laughs) And I'm not talking about being your roommate and having you do dishes better than me. Um, I'm talking about like- Better or worse? Just different? Yeah, just different, right. No, just different. Just I leave more on the plate, which is not good or bad. It's just different. (laughs) Um, I think it's- um, Uh, you choose the things and people in your life in such a way where like you want everything to have meaning and everything to matter. Mm -hmm. And then conversely, but you're not just a taker, you know, you like show up for other people and you're not just like, all right, I'm here. Well, what's next? Like you show Mm -hmm. up and you make things mean something to yourself Mm -hmm. and to others. Um, And then the last thing I'll say is you're very reciprocal. Like you give and you take and you share in other people and that allows them to share in you, I think. Mm. And like, um, 
you're just a really excellent conversationalist in that way. And that's why like sometimes in our apartment, you know, if we were busy, we'd go like three days without talking to each other. And then we'd get caught up in like a three hour conversation, yeah. just like doing dishes in yeah. the kitchen because you're just like, it's so nice to just catch up with you about things mm. and hear what's going on. And it enables me to want to also mm. confide in you. Yeah. Um, likewise, Gabby. That's I, I totally agree. I, th- I think that that's a, uh... What you're describing too is the basis, I think, of a meaning of meaningful friendship in general. You know, where it doesn't feel like you need to hit some quota of, oh, I need to talk to this person for this amount of time, or else our friendship is falling apart. You know, like some of my deepest friendships are with people I haven't talked to in a year or two, and then the moment I start talking to them, it's just right it's where all I just happening. Yeah. It's all there. The mm. Wu Wei is flowing. You know, it's just all <laughs> the Wu Wei. Um, you know, and so the yeah, no, I talk. I don't try to make don't try to make it flow don't <laughs> don't try you've now we're talking about Wu Wei and, this, this and Zen, now it's this, not flowing this, the Zen community it. is not going to be happy with me oh. um, but uh yeah no I, I totally think that that's right and you know I mean honestly even this conversation has been so wonderful and just you know flow through and I was I was talking I I'm the my films are co-directed with um somebody named Jamil and he's you know one of my best friends and my creative collaborator and we talk about we've actually been talking about this a lot the idea of when you're engaged in a conversation that truly feels very there's like a lot of synergy happening and you you mentioned reciprocity there's just a lot of flow happening how time seems to cease to exist and that you're just totally there for what's happening you know Mm -hmm. and that you because you're not thinking about I could be doing all of these other things other than this because you're so content with the the content of the conversation that you're having in the moment and what a magical feeling that is and how much meaning you get from, you know, having conversations like this. So, yeah, oh. for sure. Um, I definitely felt like that. It was a blast having you on. It really yeah, this I was so great. For an hour and a half. Was great. Yeah, here I we know. go. I mean, they're all this long, but. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, okay, good. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not, not special. special. Come That's, on, man. Honestly, I love hearing that. I love hearing about special. <laughs> yeah, talking you down a peg. Is there anything you want listeners to uh, to know about? Like, I know Any you plugs? Don't... Anything. Yeah. Oh, plugs. Butt plugs. Uh, yeah. Any I... butt plugs? <laughs> Use lube. I do have one that I'll be using later. No, just kidding. Um, okay. I I mean, honestly, I'm not on I'm not on social media. So I don't have like the classic Instagram handle. I but I would say if people are interested after hearing me talk about my films, if you know you could watch, you could Google Fall River documentary and you'll probably find my film. And the one that I would say is the film that I was mentioning that's out on the festival circuit right now. Uh, it's called Gramercy, and it'll be out online. Um, it's wrap. It's been in film festivals since August, and it's screened at um, AFI, BFI, Locarno, Telluride. Claire, we just won the Grand Prix at Claremont Ferrand, which is the biggest short film festival in the world, um, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, so uh, if people are interested in watching that, it it follows uh, a young man from New Jersey and it's about his struggle with depression. And it sort of is a, you know, I would call it a a kind of colorful canvas uh, about what it is like to live with an inner and outer life um, when you're existing with depression and, um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be online, uh, in April or May. Um, it's pr- it'll be, yeah. What's so, coolest about this film, I'll plug it for, I'll plug it a little more for you since, uh, I know you're so bashful. modest, but bashful, you're, bashful Haywood, mm-hmm. but, um, it, what, what I think is one of the most awesome, like talking points about this film is that it's based on a real life group of friends who are all live in New Jersey and the friend's 
play the real characters. Mm. They play themselves. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, they're all first-time actors. So they, they're they like, there's the main character's name is Shaq and Shaq is played by- You Shaq got Bonds. Shaquille O'Neal? We got Shaq and Shaquille O'Neal. It's a commercial for um, <laughs> Papa John's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I love the idea that he comes in and he's like, yeah, I'm not used to film acting. I hope, I hope Pat can show me around the film. (laughs) How do you think I did? Um, No, but yes, Gabby's totally right. And that would, that's a really kind of nice way to watch the film. Cause that's another, I really like making films with people who have never acted before and kind of um, seeing what arises from who they actually are as a human being. So yeah, that's a, it's definitely a huge part of the DNA of the film. Marvelous. Very cool. One more thing before we go. I just want to say that um, Sylvie overheard some of this conversation from the room and texted me to clarify uh, the architect from the mummy song finds the mummy at a dig. Um, And she said, Mm. if that makes it different. Um, I personally. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't. No. I personally think it actually makes it worse because, um, you know, you're looking at a mummy in a museum. It's all sexy. It's all uh, put together. It's painted on nicely. You find that shit at a dig. I mean, that is literally mummified. Yeah. yeah. That's Whereas like, it's a little bit glitzed up when it's at the museum, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. The woman yeah. in the song needs to think about her alive privilege. <laughs> yes, so true. So true. Don't we all, though? Don't we all need to be? And I think we'll end on that. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Pleasure.